What would women do without men? True? All the men are like, I'm not saying a thing. But yeah, it's awesome. Well, this morning um, I get to bring the word, and uh, it's a great word, I believe. Why? Because it's what Jesus said. And I love the scriptures, I love the gospel. Why? Because when Jesus walked this earth, he was declaring that his kingdom was here and now. Do you realize that? Is that when Jesus walked the earth, and started to speak, his declaration was, hey, listen, the kingdom of heaven is here right now, and it is for you. I love the Gospels. I love reading through the Gospels. But this morning, I'm going to look over a uh, a scripture, uh, well, really, just the first part of Jesus' first sermon on the Mount. And so we're going to look over that. But before we do, how about we pray? Father God, I thank you that you're here in this place. Lord God, today, open your word to our lives. Lord God, let us have revelation from what your word says. But Father, more than that, let us be inspired. Why? Because of the promises that you've given us that we would outlive those promises, Father, and those principles in our life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm loving this week. It's the first week of school. (laughs) You know, it's the first week of school. It was a short week because all the teachers decided on Monday that they'd worked so hard during the holidays so they needed it off on Monday. (laughs) All the teachers are like, whoa. But, but then this week, it's great because it's another short week. Why? Because we honour our Anzacs. So I want to encourage you, make sure sometime, even if you don't go to an Anzac service with your family, take time just to pause for a minute and honour the sacrifice of these men and women for our country and what we get to live in today. But over the holidays, I love holiday time. Why? Because it means my kids get to spend time with their grandparents. Who knows that? <laughs> grandparents are our favourite at holiday time. Who knows that? Every parent with kid goes, yeah, for sure. But my, my kids, uh, they have uh, grandparents, and, and uh, one of their grandparents loves to take them horse riding. And over the last number of years, they've taken them horse riding. And I, I remember a, a time where they, they went horse riding, and, and one of them was horse riding, and they have an instructor that holds the horse so they don't fall off. So it's not like, there's the horse, go, bye. No, my kids are still young. And so they're walking around, and, and one of my, my kids asked this question to the instructor, the horse owner, and said, how do you know if the horse is a, a girl or a boy? Who loves those conversations with their kids? <laughs> and so they were riding, and she was like, well, how do you answer that question if it's not your child? She's like, well... I don't know. How do you think you tell which is a boy and a girl horse? And, and, and she responded, she goes, well, by their attitude. <laughs> and it got me thinking because today I was going to cover the Beatitudes. But, but when I, I read through the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes isn't actually about attitude. Do you realize that? It's called the Beatitudes, but what does Beatitude mean? And and no, I'm not going to talk about the difference between a male and a female. You know, sometimes we need to work that out in this society, but we're not going to talk about that. But really, it just means supreme blessedness. Do you realize that? That's what the Beatitudes are. It's supreme blessedness. And so today, I want to start just quickly by starting at this point with the Beatitudes. Do you realize that 
in Matthew, there are eight declarations in the Beatitudes. If you start to read through, there are eight declarations. And this morning, for time's sake, we're only going to do four. We're going to do the first four. And so within the first four, but we're going to read the whole lot. But I find that, you know, this was the time where Jesus, he had a multitude before him, and he sat down. So I'm going to sit down and do this. But, but could you imagine actually listening to Jesus? Could you actually imagine about being one of those ones years ago, a long time ago, in a faraway place, sitting down and listening to the very words of Christ himself? Do you realize we have those words today in our hand? Who brought their Bible? If you open your Bible to Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 to 11, and we find the Beatitudes. I believe that if it was an overcast day, that the clouds would have parted. Jesus, with his long locks, would have just flicked his hair and sat down. I believe that the angels would have started playing behind him with their harps, but we don't have a harp, so we'll use a keyboard. And he would have just presented his words of wisdom. And he would have sat down and he would have gone, who's got the audio Bible at home? It's awesome, you should try it one day. Music in the background, he would have said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, or pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I, I, I look at this and I, I read through this and it's like blessed. Beatitude, supreme blessedness. I read through the first one and it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I don't know if you read the Bible sometimes and you read certain words and you're like, well, blessed are the poor. A lot of people read through the scriptures and they go, well, you know what, they read that scripture and they go, okay, yep, Christianity and God is only for the poor. You know, they think that Christianity is just for poor people, for ones that are in need. But if you actually read what Jesus is saying here, he's saying in this statement, it's not a concern about material possessions. It's a concern about spiritual realities in this moment. And what he is saying, he's saying, hey, listen, if you're poor in spirit, and poor in spirit means this, if you're away from God, if you don't know God and you, you have a revelation of who God is, well then, you know, right now, the poor in spirit, the ones who recognize that they need more than just what they have, that they need God, ones that have that revelation, that recognition of who God is, of who Christ is, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, you might think you know everything, have it all, together, but without God, we actually have nothing. And so Jesus opens up on the sermon and he says, hey, listen, 
Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who know the need of a Saviour. They will inherit the kingdom of heaven. You know, do you realise that the poor in spirit, we recognise that we are utterly bankrupt spiritually without God. It's talking about our spiritual condition, who we are. And he's saying, hey, listen, if you can recognise that, if you can have a revelation of that, then yours is the kingdom. It's not about social status. It's not about what we have or what we know or what we can do. It's about who he is. You can't work your way into the kingdom of heaven. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone boast. It's in his strength, not ours. It's acknowledging, it's humbling ourselves and going, Hey, listen, I can't do light without you. It comes through a revelation that we are nothing and we take hold of the gift. Why? The declaration is this, is that yours is the kingdom. Right now, for each and every one of us, we have a revelation of who God is. That we are poor in spirit and it's only Him who can satisfy. And that's what He was saying. He's saying, hey, listen, if you want the kingdom of heaven, you need to recognise. He goes on and He says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are... Why would you go... Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It doesn't make sense. But yet, when it comes to Jesus, he turns things upside down. He's like, hey, blessed are those who mourn, for you will be comforted. He's talking about here, he's talking about, you know, to experience deep grief. And in experiencing deep grief, he's not talking again, he's not talking about the natural realm, he's talking about the spiritual realm. He's saying, hey, listen, when you come to acknowledge or when you come to a revelation that you're poor in spirit, that you're away from God, you you will mourn God. He's saying you'll have a grieving heart that you'll just want to know God. I find that it's right here in this moment, it's one of the things that he's teaching those that are around. He's talking about that the poor in spirit who have a spiritual revelation, come to true repentance. You know, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10, it says, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. There is a difference in this sorrow. Through this sorrow, through this mourning, through this God, here I am, I, I repent that I'm away from you right now. Come and move in my life. It, it's a joy. It's something that He gives us as a free gift. It, turns into what? Eternal what? And we're comforted through His Spirit. Godly grief is to acknowledge that I can't do life without Him. I need Him. It's a turning point. It's a turning point. It's a turning point. You know, for each and every one of us as Christians, there was a moment where we become and we realise how poor in spirit we are. Like, Go back to the first time that you ever encountered God Himself, that you ever encountered Jesus. Where was that moment? Was it in a meeting like this? 
Was it in a time where worship was lifted up? Was it in a time maybe outside these four walls where you're in your room and you're crying out, you realize that you don't have the answers to life. You don't have the things that the world says would satisfy your soul. Your life might have haven't turned out the way it was, but in your room, you're crying out and you're like, God, I know I am poor in spirit right now. I need a saviour. And you're grieving. You're going, God, there is more to life than this. Ecclesiastes 3.11. I love it. It says he has also set eternity in the hearts of humanity. Is it in our heart we have a longing that there is more? This world will never satisfy I remember my conversion. And Carolina laughs about it all the time. Because, you know, during the service, we we have this moment where we say, hey, will you respond and ask Jesus to become Lord and Savior of your life? Why? Because he wants to connect with us. There is nothing wrong with that. It's how we do it. It gives people an opportunity. As Christians, we need to give people opportunities. But she laughs because she wonders whether I'm even saved. Like she lives with me and she asks the question. Why? Because she thinks that everyone has to put their hand up. Well, sorry, darling, I didn't put my hand up in church. But there was a moment where I actually encountered God. I remember the day. It was on the golf course. And every man that plays golf is like, that's where God lives. But I'll tell you, when you play golf with me, I need God in every moment. And so does everyone else around me. But I I remember that moment where I was away from God. You know, my life was fine. I knew what I wanted to do. My career path was set, but there was something inside me that I was like, I was poor in spirit. There was a, a longing for more. There was a longing for something else. And I knew that something else was God, but I wasn't ready to admit it. But I remember hanging out with a group of mates where we went and played golf and they're on fire for God. They're living for God. I live in another state. I'm just here visiting, having holiday. But then all of a sudden on the golf course, I'm like, God's here. There's a grieve in my heart. It's like, God, right now, I just need to get right with you. Well, God, right now, I need to set in stone. I need to come into a repentance, into right standing with you in this moment. You know, there is a... a There is a place in everyone's heart that they will long. And until they come to that recognition, they will keep longing. They they will try and fill it with the things of this world, but nothing will sustain it. They they will try and idolise those things. and, And you see it time and time again. We idolise people, we put them on a pedestal, but all of a sudden they fall. Humanity has fallen. Let me tell you that right now. You cannot put your faith in humanity. There is only one person that we can put our faith in and that is Jesus Christ. That is our Lord and our Saviour. And when He comes, when we know that we're poor of spirit, that we can't satisfy ourselves and we come on Benedict and say, God, in the Old Testament, you look through and you see time and time again where a prophet was sent into a nation. The prophet would come into town He would come into town and he would speak to the Israelites. He would speak to the Jewish community and say, hey, listen, you've wandered away from God. You've left God. You you believed in God. You kept His commandments. But now you've left God. He is sad. He is upset. You need to repent. You need to come back into right standing with God. And the prophet would speak the Word of God. And the prophet would be bold in what he was saying. Do you realize that At times, if a prophet walked in and the king didn't agree, it could have been the end of their life. 
But with boldness they come. If the king had decided to end the prophet's life or the, even beyond that just decided, hey, listen, you know, we don't need God. We're doing all right with God. It sounds like today's society. It's all right. We don't need God. You can get by without God, but it won't go too well for you. And as they would try to go, all of a sudden what would happen is the kingdom would fall apart. Or you would find that the king would tear their clothes, put on sackcloth and go around crying out to God. He would decree that all the land would start to declare who God was again and repentance and salvation would come to that nation. goes on. It says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. (laughs) The meek. I I believe this, that meekness is a sign of wisdom and strength. James 3, verse 13, it says, He who is wise and understanding among you, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. (laughs) The life of Jesus. You see a life of Meekness, you see a life of wisdom. You know, the Jewish community were waiting for a savior, they were waiting for the Messiah. They were believing that the Messiah would come and save them from the rule of the Roman Empire. They would come on a on a horse with an army, a vast army, and would come through and lift and redeem the Jewish community once again. And they would lead this king, this Messiah, this God would lead them. But, but instead of coming as a, a warlike hero, Jesus showed a greater power than any armed might. Do you realize that? He showed the power of humble wisdom and penetrating love. And that's why we talk about it today. The kingdom lifestyle is power-filled, but not power-hungry. Kingdom lifestyle. They shall inherit the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth. The poor of spirit shall inherit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But then it goes on, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Do you see a pattern here? Jesus is sitting down and he's talking about this supreme blessedness. What he's doing is he's actually declaring salvation. His opening statement on the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, is about supreme blessedness. What it's about, it's about salvation for all humanity. It's about saying, like, those that come to recognize, to have a revelation of who I am, those that can turn from where they are now, can soften their hearts to come into repentance and can come into a place that, God, I'm away from you. I know I'm away from you, but here I am. I'm coming into right standing with you. And as they come into right standing and, and they know that it's not out of their own strength, but it's out of His strength. It's not out of what they can do, but it's out of who He is. He says, and if you can hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
you will be filled. In other words, you will walk in Christ. The Spirit of God will come around your life and you'll be empowered to live as God created you to live. You'll be empowered. I know this is that I can't get through life without Jesus Christ. You, you can't live a great life without Him being involved. I was reading a thing about anyone look at the mayor of the Gold Coast. He ended up getting water baptized on Easter Sunday. A lot of people are like, yeah, well, that's what a mayor does. A mayor doesn't do that. Publicly go out to the beach and get water baptized. But in one of his statements that he said, and I don't know whether you agree with him or not, I don't care, but the thing that I love is that it was public. The other thing that I love is that he made this statement, I can't do my job without supernatural help. I can't live my life without God. I can't live it to the fullness without God. I don't know how marriages work without God. I don't know how you raise a family without God. And this is this statement is that the meek, it's, it's actually, when it comes to meekness, it's, it's not about not being confident, it's about being confident in God. It's actually about letting God get all the glory. So when it comes to you doing great attributes or things open up, you know, these things that open up and you see people, the doors open up, you're like, how do they do that? But look who they give the credit to. Is it God or themselves? I've never heard of an overnight success. Half the time it takes 10 years to get there. But if you look at those people that do it in God, they credit God in every step of the way. As Christians, we are to credit God in every step of the way. We are to lean into God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You and I need to hunger and thirst for God. We need to set time aside for God. I believe the downfall of the church today is we don't set time aside. Is that there are so many priorities within our life, so many things calling us out that we forget to prioritize who God is in our life. Jesus at this time, he's not discussing a natural hunger and thirst. He's moved it from natural into a spiritual hunger and thirst. You know those hungry moments or hangry moments we have in our family? Is it when you're really hungry, you get hangry? Is that just in my family? Sometimes my kids seem to be hangry all the time. It borders on being hungry and angry and it's like, if you just feed them, they're happy. Or if you just feed yourself, you're happy. For some of us, we just need to border on that line of God. I'm hangry because I haven't spent time with you. Wow. Oh God, I, I just need some food. I just need some input. I just need your spirit to come and minister to my spirit. I, I'm poor in spirit and I know that I just need a dose of you. We need to come to God with that desire. With the same desire, we need to approach God. I'm hungry and all I need is you. I'm here, I'm thirsty, all 
I need is you. Do, you. do you realize that all we need is Jesus? We don't need life coaches. We just need Jesus. And as we live for Jesus, as we take hold of Jesus, we, we outlive his principles. Why? Because as we love him, we want to please him. And to please him, we obey his commandments. Where a lot of people are trying to please God through their actions, trying to please God through a principle, through, through outworking themselves. Let, let me tell you this, you, you can't get to heaven in your own strength. The only way to heaven is through him. And if you're hungry, the word says that he is the bread of life. The word says that he is the living water. Matthew 7, verse 7 to 8. Jesus makes this statement. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. You know, as you hunger and thirst for Christ, there, there comes a time where you need to set yourself aside and just start to ask Him. Hey God, right now I am asking for more of you. Right now I am asking for your presence around my life. Right now I am asking for you to come and meet me where I'm at. And as you start to ask Him, He'll start to come. He'll, you'll start to receive that which you ask. As you start to seek Him, seek more of Him, press into His presence, say, God, I just need to seek You more and more. God, I can't live this life without I need Your presence around my life. As you seek Him, you will find. And knock, and the door will be open. Yeah, yeah, but Sam, I've tried all that. Really? What are you asking for? Are you asking for what? Materialists? What are you asking for? What are you seeking? What doors are you actually knocking on? Because what I find with this society within the Western world, you know, we're seeking riches. We're seeking those things that will pass away. We're coming into this place where we're trying to use God like a vending machine and we're just asking and it's cha-ching, cha-ching. And then we come to knocking, but we're actually knocking on natural doors where he's saying, hey, just knock and I will answer. I'm here. I'm here. If you knock, for the poor in spirit are those that recognize that they can't do life without God. And if you can't do life without God, those that mourn, those that come into repentance of heart, they will be comforted. It says that He will send His comforter to us as a guarantee, as we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. The Scripture says that He sends His Spirit and His Spirit in through the tent is called a helper. It's called our, our comforter and it empowers us to live a God-filled life with God-confidence as we hunger and thirst. My question to today, church, what are you asking for? 
What are you seeking? And whose door are you knocking on? The book of Matthew is all about the kingdom come. It's all about that the kingdom is here right now. For all that want to receive, for all that come into a revelation of who Jesus is, it is here and it is now. It is not a future. It is not on the distance. It is here and now. And on the mount, Jesus was speaking. Blessed. And he made eight declarations. And those eight declarations what were the kingdom of heaven is here that theirs is the kingdom. Is that they will be comforted. Is that they will inherit earth. Is that they will be filled with His Spirit. They will be filled to overflowing. They will obtain mercy. They will be sons and daughter of God. They will see God. Those that are pure of heart will see God. For theirs is the kingdom. That was for us. Right there, eight declarations. Supreme blessedness for those who believe. For you and I. For you and I. Revelations 22, 17. says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. The Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the, the Spirit of God, it says, Come. The Bride, which is us. The church says, come. And let the one who hears say, come. So those who hear, let them say, come. Come. Let the one who thirsts, who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of water of life, let he who wants to take this free gift, let him take it. But our job, church, is to say, come. For those that have come to a revelation of who God is, for those of us that have been filled with the Spirit, now our job is to say, come and partake. Come and partake of the bread of life, of the living water. He is righteous. He makes us righteous in every area of our life. The good news that God's rule is present. Do you realize that? but we need to be able to seek the face of God. And in Christianity today, there are a lot of people seeking the hand of God, the healing, the miracles, the prosperity, the blessings, the benefit. And they're seeking those things, but sometimes as you seek those things, they only last for a moment. But God says, hey, listen, how about you seek my face? And if you seek the face of God, you'll receive the hand of God. Church, this morning, when was the last time you seeked the face of God? When was the last time you just took a moment aside and and just seeked and just hungered and thirst for His righteousness? Where you just lift your hands to God and just say, God, come on, fill me with your Spirit.
Hey, fill me with your spirit. I find it funny because sometimes we can come to church and it's like, fill me with your spirit. There are some Christians like that. Well, they're like this, fill me with your spirit. When you have a true revelation, when you go back to knowing who you are without Christ, you can't help but spend time with Christ. You can't help but open the cup and say, God, come on, give me your spirit. Lord God, in this time of worship, when we come into worship, it's not about ourselves, but it's about him. It's about honouring him. And as you honour him, he starts to fill you with his spirit, with his presence. As you start to lift your hands, I love to lift my And as you lift, as you lift your voices, it should be that he fills you so much that when you walk out the door, it spills out onto those around you. Is that people can't help but notice that there is something different around your life. People can't help but know that there is something different, that it's like there is a different spirit. There is something sweet. There is something that is that is unique. There is something that is different. And then they start asking questions. Why? Because you have the spirit with inside of you. Why? Because you've spent time hungering and thirsting for him. That's it. That it's undeniable around your life. And this morning, I've asked, we've made room. Because as a church, I want to know Will you spend a moment right now corporately in worship to God and saying, God, right now, I hunger. Right now, I thirst for your righteousness. Right now, God, I want to give you time. Lord God, right now, I want to give you this moment. And and yes, we're going to do it right now, corporately as a church, but my challenge to you this week, in that time alone, in that time where no one is looking, could you pull away and just lift your heart to God? Could you just lift your hands to God and say, God, here I am. I'm hungering and I'm thirsting for your righteousness. I'm in need of your presence around my life. I'm in need of walking into the throne room of God, seeing your face. Because I know that I can't do this life without you. I need you. Are you willing, church? How about we stand? Come on. We've got time. Let's lift our hearts and arms to God. Let it be a time of God. Come on, your presence. I don't know everyone in this room, but for some of you, you might have walked in and this is the first time in church. You don't understand what's happening right now. What we're doing is we're honouring our God. We're worshipping our God. And I want to invite you to worship with us. And maybe today something has spoken to you. And maybe I just want you to open your heart and just say, God, right now, I've heard His words. I've heard the words about there is one true God and it's about believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And all you need to do is just believe and say, God, here I am. 
I know that I don't have a relationship with you. And maybe you've been coming for years and you've, you've drifted away from God, but you need to realign with God. This morning it is for you to, where you lift your arms and say, God, I want to align with your purposes once again. Lord God, I, I know that I can't do this life without you. Will you come and walk with me again as I hunger and thirst for your righteousness? Come on, church. Let's lift our hands, our hearts, God. Come on. Spirit of God, today.